Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast here on arseblog.oleole.com. It has been a very good week in terms of football and all that will be discussed between now and the end of the show. Champions League, FA Cup action and of course we'll be looking ahead to the games coming between this Arsecast and the next Arsecast and there are a couple. Uh, with me to uh, to look back at Rome will be Gunnar Hollick from GunnarHollick.com uh, as well as that the man in the bar will be here. Uh, slight change, no singing this week, you'll be um, delighted um, to note. Uh, as well as that, we'll have some news and other bits and pieces as well. Joining me on the show this week is um, Whiskey. Hello, Whiskey. Hello, Arsplugger. Drink me. Drink. Okay, I'll drink you. Hang on. Mm. You're so delicious. <laughs> Anyway, as I said, all that's still to come on the show. So between the last Arscast and this Arscast, what happened? Well, let's go back to Burnley and the game last Sunday. Um, quite the turn up for the books, not so much in, in terms of the result, but in the way the result came about. Um, the first goal came from Carlos Vela, a rather fantastic goal showing strength and skill and pace and a, a really, truly wonderful finish. Then Eduardo scored a goal, the likes of which I don't think I've ever seen before. A very deliberate uh, volley with the outside of his heel. I don't think I've ever seen a finish like that before. It's so sort of improvised but deliberate. There is not a shred of doubt in my mind that he meant to do exactly what he meant to do and with that part of his foot. Why you would even think about hitting it with that part of your foot is, is beyond me, but um, there you go. That just sort of sets him apart and shows you what kind of a, a special player he is. What was interesting about it was the fact that it came from an Alex Song, a little clip ball into the box. Um, he beat the offside trap and went in. A nice ball from Song, who had a very, very good game. Of course, it was only against Burnley, and I think that has to be taken into account, but credit where it was due. Uh, there were other people who played against Burnley who didn't play as well, and he was probably our best player on the day. And I think that was summed up by the most unlikely of goals. An Alex Song back heel into the path of Emmanuel Abue, who rifled it into the bottom corner. Now, if someone had told you before the game that that kind of goal was going to be scored, you'd laugh at them. You'd say, no, that's not going to happen. If we played football for a million years, non-stop, there's no way that an Alex Song back heel would reach a buoy so perfectly and a buoy wouldn't blast it over the bar or fall over it or dive. or do... He hit it straight in the bottom corner. He whacked it in. A good finish. So um, from that point of view, two guys who've had uh, their critics this season and not without um, reason, but they did their bit. So um, yeah, can't really argue with that. 
So that was that, and obviously the talking point the next day was was the Eduardo goal. Uh, Arsene Wenger said it was a beach goal, like you see guys playing beach football. And uh, when I lived in Spain, lived in Barcelona, uh, during the summer we used to go to the beach, obviously, and and, um, down there there was a a volleyball net where these guys used to play heads and volleys across, uh, across this net, which must have been, I don't know, about eight feet high. And, uh, geez, these guys are so skillful. Seriously, they could hit the ball with the outside of their foot. They could, uh, they could trap it. They could, ah, it was just fantastic. Amazingly skillful. And that's obviously the kind of guy uh, that Arsene Wenger was referring to. The only time I ever played beach football was about half five one morning uh, when we were out with our football team and it was the end of season drinks and we ended up down at the beach and someone found a ball and and essentially it was a lot of guys running around in their underpants playing football and it was a lot more um heterosexual than it sounds i have to i have to make that clear it was sort of underpants so it was very hot it was the middle of summer you'd be in your underpants too if it was half five in the morning and you were drunk and you'd been in the sea and stuff i should um move away from that topic now i think so then we had roma well what can you say? Not a great performance. Nevertheless, the result, to me, is is what matters. Um, we played very, very well in the first leg, and we had the chances to put the game to bed. Uh, an error in defense let them into it. Um, but we hung on. They didn't really look like scoring after about 20, 25 minutes. I think Almunia made one or two very good saves in close succession. But after that, Roma didn't really threaten at all. And while we didn't necessarily have clear-cut chances, there were a few that we could have uh, that we could have put away. A Colo Toure header. Uh, I think there was a Sanya header, which was from a corner. It didn't look like much of a chance, but it flew uh, fast and straight into the goalkeeper's arms. And it was so fast that had it been a couple of feet either side of him, I don't think he would have got anywhere near it. Similar to the goal he scored against Chelsea uh, last season, you might remember. So we did have our chances, and, you know, um, I think there's probably a little too much focus on the negative aspects of the performance when really we should all just be concentrating on the fact that we've gone through. You see, that's my, my thinking on it. But um, uh, to talk a little bit more about Roma, um, I'm joined now by Gunnar Hollick from GunnarHollick.com. Hi there. Hi, thanks for asking me again, blogs. Uh, very welcome. Now, we, we've got to start with what happened in Rome on Wednesday night. Not the best performance in the world, and I think that's probably uh, understating it a little bit. But on nights like that, you forget about what happened in the 120 minutes before because the the elation of winning a penalty shootout is is just something special, I think. Oh, yes. And maybe this is the first time that probably you and I haven't been on the same wavelength because I didn't think it was that bad a performance, although I've seen, obviously, you know, a lot of people think it was. A lot of people have been derogatory about some of our players. Uh, particularly I've seen Stickford and Nielsen and Nasri. Mm. But I look, the game that I sat down and watched, I saw two sides who, obviously because of the circumstances they find themselves in in their domestic leagues, this was their most important game of the season. Both of them set out to win it. Both of them, I think, went out to attack and as a result cancelled each other out because unfortunately both defences are playing rather better than both attacks at the moment. You know, the Totti, for them, Totti is not as mobile as once he was. And so he the game kind of went on around him. 
Uh, and for us, of course, Robin Van Persie wouldn't be your first choice to play as the lone raider in front of a, a five-man midfield. Far better if he'd been where Bentner was and, and Adebayor had been up there. But nonetheless, that, that wasn't a possibility on the evening. And I thought both sides gave it a, a go. I can understand why people thought it wasn't a spectacle. But I, I do have a, an argument against anybody who thinks that neither side gave that 100%. And I thoroughly enjoyed it as a result. But I understand where they're coming from. No, I mean, I think certainly criticism of, of individual performances after a night like that, especially when guys that even if they didn't perform, and I'm not singling out anyone because I don't think it's warranted in any way. But mm. if you do have criticisms of, of any player and the way they played in that game, uh, they stepped up at the end and they, they stood up and they were counted and they put penalties away. So really, uh, what happened before the penalties is pretty much irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. Um, I, I must admit, if there was one thing that I would have got negative about, it was that I thought Roma put so much into the first hour of the game. I thought they were there for taking in the last half hour and we didn't perhaps make the most of that. But, you know, let's remember that at the same time, we got away with what looked like a half-decent penalty shout. We got away with Baptista missing a chance that if he'd still been wearing the red, we'd have wanted him hung, drawn and quartered. Um, And it was unfortunate that in that last half hour, the only real chance that we created, the only clear chance we created, was the Toure header, which I thought he could have done better with. But... You know, all things considered, and when you, it was a nervous and a tense affair. Uh, and I'm, as I say, I wouldn't criticise any individuals for their parts in that. Although clearly, mistakes were made, hence why they were able to get a goal up after ten minutes. But mm, exactly. you know, that's all forgotten at the end of the night. That's yeah, that's entirely my point. Now, penalties. Um, maybe I wasn't alone in this, but when when it went to penalties. I didn't think of that glorious night against Sampdoria. I immediately thought of uh, Galatasaray, and I immediately thought of the uh, the game against Valencia, the final against Valencia in 1980, which uh, I didn't actually see. I listened to on the radio. Uh, but those were my abiding memories of European <laughs> penalty shootouts. The, the the nervousness and the tension and um, and everything else, I know you can say it's easy, you're only 12 yards, you're a professional footballer, but, you know, they all fall down at some stage. You've got to get, give huge credit to these lads. Walcott, uh, uh, who's probably never taken a penalty in, in anger in his life, apart from training Danielson as well, Diaby. You know, guys, they, they stepped up and they kept their nerve and, um, yeah, big credit to them. Absolutely, and especially because we were one down, if you like, from the the very first kick. And uh, fair play to Eduardo for having the the, the ball. Sorry, can I say balls for having you the balls to just... go up there and take that first penalty when he's been out for so long? Um, and you know, it was a good save by the keeper. I think we worked out pretty quickly that the goalkeeper was going to go right for all of them. And so I think if we had been there until next Thursday, we would have scored every other penalty that we had. But that that doesn't take away anything from, you know, they as you say, they've got to have nerves of steel for young lads like that to step up and convert in a situation that they've not faced before. And I was very, 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 very proud of them. Arsene Wenger said uh, afterwards that this will uh, instill a lot of confidence and belief in, in the team now uh, people might say this is they've only just won a penalty shootout they couldn't win the game in normal time etc etc but if you if you flip it over 
if you lose a penalty shootout like that, it's devastating. It's demoralizing. So winning it obviously is going to give the, the, the lads a bit of a boost. And it is, because some of these players are so young, a tremendous experience for them to have gone through and to come through successfully. Yeah, I understand his point as well. He's trying to make people understand that Roma may not be, if you like, the grade A of European sides, but they have been in the last eight, the last two seasons. So we've got quite a, we've had a tight, tight and difficult tussle with them, got through, beaten them. Any game that we have coming up in the next round, in the semi-final, if we get there, is going to be a tight, difficult game. But we've got the experience now of having come through uh, and held our nerve and got the result. And I think we would not be any more likely to lose to any of the remaining sides than we were to Roma. Whether we will or not is another matter. But, you know, they're going to be tense affairs because at this stage there are no easy games. And that, that they're in, I think this result stands them in good stead, quite frankly, for whoever we play notwithstanding the fact that whoever we play will also be feeling confident in themselves that they've got through. You're in the last eight of the Champions League. There's going to be no pushovers, but uh, uh, let's say they're a side you would sooner face than not. Yes, well, obviously, there are four English teams in the draw for the semi-finals. We know what Michel Platini thinks about the the way the English league is dominating uh, the Champions League at the moment. Would you be surprised if we we found ourselves with two all-English quarterfinals? Um, I'd be surprised if it was two, I think, although it would be mighty suspicious. I would expect to see one random draw or no random draw. Um, uh, no, we're... <laughs> I don't know what, what else to say on that, really. But no, I wouldn't expect to see two, but I certainly expect to see one. And funnily enough, this time, I think it's the one we haven't seen yet. I have a feeling it could be Manchester United against Liverpool because I would imagine that UEFA would like to see at least one of those two not reach the semi-final. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, keep our conspiracy theories for another day. Um, we do have a quite a busy schedule ahead of us. There's an international break on the way, but we, we've a busy schedule ahead of us, particularly the next eight days. We've got three games. Um, after 120 minutes on Wednesday night, we've got Blackburn on uh, on Saturday at 3 o'clock. That's tomorrow, obviously. We've got a Hull in the FA Cup sixth round on on Tuesday night, St. Patrick's night of all of all times, and then we've got Newcastle the following Saturday. So uh, there's a lot of football to play. Do you expect a, a bit of rotation, particularly for the game uh, tomorrow against Blackburn? Oh, absolutely, and thank goodness we've got some player, decent players coming back as well. Um, you know, uh, you would expect to see probably Walcott and Eduardo uh, starting. Um, I haven't yet had the chance to see any of the news as to whether Adebayor is likely to be back or not. If he's fit, I wouldn't expect him to start, but I would expect him to make an appearance from the bench at some stage. What, what concerns me is that with all these games coming up is how does he rotate at the back where he's got basically his only options at the moment are Juru for one of his central defenders yeah. or Gibbs to play instead of Clichy. And uh, I, I, it may be that we've got uh, too much of a reliability on that back five at the moment. We're just that little bit short there. But 
Uh, as for the rest, yeah, it's good to see those players coming back and you can imagine that we'll probably use the whole squad over the course of those next three games. All right, well, we'll uh, we'll see what happens there. Gunnar Hollick from GunnarHollick.com. Thank you very much. Oh, that's brilliant. Thanks, Blogs. And don't forget to check out Gunnar Hollick's blog, which is, of course, www.gunnarhollick.com. Uh, I'll go back to the point I made in the little chat there with, uh, with the Hollick about um, some of the negative... Uh, I suppose, reaction to uh, to the performance and not so much the result because I don't know how anybody could be possibly negative about the result. I can understand people being negative about the performance because we didn't do it in the second leg. As good as we were in the first leg, we were as poor in the second. But when it comes down to it, it doesn't really matter. And what we've, what we've got from this second leg, for me anyway, is a huge, huge learning experience. Now, young guys have been involved in a high-pressure penalty shootout situation. Some of the penalties were a bit, well, they weren't brilliant, but they went in. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Um, to have come through that in the Olympic Stadium in Rome against a team like Roma, full of very good, uh, experienced international players, I think is probably the kind of boost that this team and some of these players really needed. Now, I'm not saying that we don't still have our problems, because we do, and we've been over them time and time again. However, you, you look at Theo Walcott saying um, in the dressing room, it was like we won the World Cup final. And that's how much of a boost they've got from this. So conversely, had they gone out, the doubts that surely they must have after this season, I mean, they're not stupid people, not all of them anyway, that some of these players must realize that there are games in which they have struggled, in which they've failed to find their form, in which they've failed to perform, they're not unaware of that. So I think had we not won that penalty shootout, had we lost it, had one of our guys missed, it would have been really, really devastating. And I think um, given the circumstances that we're in at the moment, trying to find momentum uh, is the most important thing. Momentum might bring us into that fourth Champions League spot. We might have more games than Aston Villa. I was talking to a Villa fan today and he was saying I was really, really rooting for Arsenal. I'm really up for Arsenal because I'm, I want you to kind of take one eye off the league so we can maintain our fourth place. And my thinking on that would be is that, you know, we're probably better off if we don't have time to think. If we've got the games coming thick and fast, if we've got them uh, weekend Wednesday, weekend Wednesday, whatever it might be, I think we're better off that way. So that's why I think it's a, it's a, it's a good thing um that we've come through an experience like that, that it would, of course, have been better had we gone out and scored a couple of goals. Uh, it would have been better had we taken advantage of the fact that Roma, uh, who started the game very much like an English side, I thought, they really snapped into tackles and they ran about the place for the first hour like crazy. They were all over the place. They knew that the only way to combat the way we played was to play like an English team would play. But they couldn't keep that pace up. And I thought with the introduction of Walcott and Eduardo that uh, we'd probably bring it to them before the 90 minutes and certainly before the uh, the end of uh, extra time, I thought we would score because I just thought Roma wouldn't have enough left. So it would have been better, of course, had we gone and won the game, had we scored a goal like Fabregas in Milan last year or something like that, uh, that would have been fantastic. Uh, and had that been on top of a good performance all, all the well. But... Um, to, to go through a penalty shootout like that is a big, big learning experience because none of those guys had taken penalties. Really, vamp. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Percy had taken a penalty. I don't remember Toure ever taking one. Eduardo's taken penalties. So apart from Eduardo and Van, Van Persie, who has taken penalties for us before? Who's been in that situation where you've got to stand up when your heart is pounding, when you've got all that pressure on you? And the confidence that gives you and the and just the, the experience of that, I think is going to be hugely, hugely beneficial to the team. So if our poor performance has brought about this kind of benefit by proxy, because without it, we wouldn't have had a penalty shootout. Well, then uh, we've got to we've got to take that as a positive. Of course, you can be critical of the performance and, uh, you know, you would hope that we'll play better in in subsequent ties. Uh, but really, the main thing is we've gone through. And as a fan, uh, you know. Sometimes you just have to fucking enjoy it and enjoy the result. And uh, for me, last night, while the game wasn't much fun and the penalties were excruciating and, uh, and difficult and nerve-wracking and everything else, when the, when the penalty goes in or when the guy misses his penalty, you, you can't quite describe that feeling of, of elation. So, um, yeah, maybe that's just me still on that little trippy cloud. But uh, there you go. I'm not quite sure where I was going with all this. Uh, but it was just a, a general um, few thoughts about about all the reaction to the game. So there you go. Anyway, um, now, the man in the bar. Hey, hello, there's Asperger. I knew you'd be down. I knew you couldn't stay away when I sent my people to tell you where I was going to be. Do you like my new local? Oh, it's all very flash here, isn't it? No dirty carpets, no fellas getting sick in the corner, no bucket to piss in beside the bar. No, here it's all glass and chrome and pillars and loads and loads of beautiful ch- chicks, yeah, chicks all over the place. Look at that one over there, yeah. Oh, I love chicks. Anyway, uh, now that I'm a multi-million selling recording artist, my life has changed for the better. However, I called you down here for a reason. I noticed that after releasing the album and in two of the songs I sang most plaintively and beautifully... About Alex Sung and Emmanuel Abouet being shite. The very next game, Alex Sung set up two goals. One of them was a backheel to Emmanuel Abouet. Now look, that just doesn't happen without some kind of magic force. And that magic force, as I think we all know, was me calling them shite. Now with a world tour to prepare and uh, Lindsay Lohan to get off my back with her paternity lawyers. Uh, don't ask... I just don't have time to record a new album. So, uh, let me just take this opportunity to say that Manuel Almunia is shite. As is Lucas Fabianski. Bakary Sanya is shite. Johan Juru is shite. Gail Clichy is shite. William Gallus is shite. Colo Touré is shite. Michael Silvestri is... <laughs> it wouldn't work for that. Jesus Christ. 
Abutiabi is shite. Danielson is shite. Sesk Fabregas is shite. Samir Nesri is shite. Aaron Ramsey is shite. Andre Arshavin is shite. Mary Bischoff is shite. Eduardo, yes, he's shite. Carlos Villa is shite. Emmanuel Adibayor is shite. Nicholas Bentner is shite. The Walcott is shite. And Robin Van Persie is indeed shite. Now, that should just about assure us winning every game between now and the end of the season. So when we're lifting trophies here, there, and everywhere, you'll know where to come, and you'll know who to thank. That's me, the man in the bar. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to go over there and dance. It's what my public wants. We'll have more from the man in the bar on next week's Arscast or some Arscast in, in the future. Anyway, uh, that's provided he's not too busy or swanning around the world or just hanging out in his new local, which is um, uh, interesting. I think that's uh, a very um, appropriate word for it. Colo Torre has been talking about his um, relationship with William Gallas or, or lack of. He says, once you're on the pitch, we try to keep a professional attitude and to communicate um, apart from, you know, against Roma. You you kick it. No, you kick it. Okay, n- neither of us will kick it. Ah, oh, fuck, they scored. He says, we never got on well together. He says, you see, I'm friends with Juru, Ibue, Gale, but it's not the same with William. He says, it's the same within every company. You can't be friends with everybody. That's very true. How many of us in our offices uh, or in our places of work listening to this right now are looking across at a colleague that we think, what a cunt. If I never saw you again, it would be too soon. Somebody who, just by being alive, makes you go, oh. So it's no different for footballers. You can't expect everybody to be friends. Uh, He said uh, about his time, uh, about handing in the transfer request, he said, many problems occurred and made me want to move on. There were some problems between the players, but this must remain an internal matter because I'm not the kind of man who creates controversies. So, um, you're talking about it. Why, Colo? Any particular reason? He says, wearing the Arsenal shirt gives me huge pride and I hope I will stay. We'll see at the end of the season, but I'm under contract till 2011. Then Johan Juru said, Something happened, but it's a thing of the past. Something happened, obviously, between uh, Colo and and William Gallas. And then Carlos Vela has been talking about uh, Gallas. He says, it's not a big deal, and it's a thing of the past. Everybody in the dressing room is talking to him and has a normal relationship to him. And there's a text message for me. But uh, So something big must have happened in the dressing room. Probably after Gallas' comments, there must have been a huge row. I'd love to know what it was. It must have been enormous between Colo and, and Gallas. Fisticuffs, perhaps? Like Spock and Kirk fighting in that ring in that episode of Star Trek. That's what it was probably like. So some mad, mad stuff went on, obviously. Um, it all seems to be sorted now, leaving that uh, slight uh, indiscretion against Roma aside. Uh, they've both been playing a lot better. Toure was very good against Roma, I thought, and Gallas has been, uh, for the last number of weeks, much, much better than he was earlier in the season. When you see him going up and challenging for headers and winning headers, you're thinking to yourself, well, why the fuck weren't you doing that at the start of the season? What was wrong? But right now, we'll, we'll take the improvement where we can get it. 
We can't be complaining. We've got too much football to play to worry about uh, why people's form might have improved. We'd just be thankful that that it has. Now, Emmanuel Abue, he was talking about um, moving to Inter, and he said, my future depends on myself. I'm under contract with Arsenal for another year, and leaving the club is not my intention. If Arsenal offer me a new contract, I'll sign it because I like this club, blah, 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 blah. That's all, you know, the usual sort of uh, newspaper talk. However, he said, we suffered a lot against Roma. And I want to thank God, because we won thanks to him. Um, now, while I would never have any problem with anybody believing in anything they want, they can do, for all I care. Uh, they can believe in God, or they can believe in, I, I don't know what, whatever. Whatever gets you through, that's fine. But to say that we won because of God is a little bit, uh, to me, maybe just a little bit dismissive of one's teammates who were the ones who actually won the game for us or won the penalty shootout for us because God did not take a penalty. I didn't see him there. I saw Eduardo, uh, Van Persie. I saw Theo, Diaby, Danielson, Nasri, Bakary Sanya. I did not see God step up and take a penalty. I mean, that would have been quite cool, but uh, it didn't happen. So I think probably Abue should be more thankful to his teammates than to God. Maybe that's just me. I'm not casting aspersions on anyone's religion. If I was, you know, one of his guys, if I was playing in the Arsenal team and I read that he said, we won with thanks to God, and I was one of the guys who stepped up and took a penalty, I'd be thinking, fuck you. That's what I'd be thinking. But maybe that's just me. Uh, he's probably just on a high after his, his goal at the weekend, a goal after a back heel from, from Alex Song. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 52 weeks a year, 10 years a decade, 100 years a century, 1,000 years a millennium. This is Spy News on the Hour, every hour. Hello and welcome to the news. We begin with sport and an Alex Song back heel created a goal for Emmanuel Ibue as Arsenal beat Burnley in the FA Cup fifth round. In other news, police have warned of a series of low-flying pigs circling North London. Our reporter, John Costello, is on the scene. Oh my God, they're everywhere! <laughs> We're all going to die! We'll try and make contact with John as soon as we possibly can. There's been mixed reaction to the news that next month is to be made up entirely of Sundays. Pensioners have been outraged, saying that they'll only get to see one episode of EastEnders a week. However, Morrissey said... I told you. And now for some weather. It's the Geordie Weatherman. What's the latest? It's not good news, I'm afraid. The moment that we've all feared has come to pass. Hell has frozen over. And if hell is frozen, then you can be quite sure temperatures are going to drop overnight. It's a strange and unusual world we live in. That's your news for now. We'll have more in an hour. Alrighty, well, we've got uh, plenty of football between this Arscast and the next Arscast, starting tomorrow, 3pm, against Blackburn, uh, who we did and diddled on at the very start of the season. I think it was 4-0, or 4-1, anyway. Uh, we scored a few goals. It was all very promising back then. And nevertheless, uh, they had a game in midweek which took them out of the relegation zone. They beat Fulham 2-1, which is probably a good thing that they had a game, uh, because uh, they played their 90 minutes. We could be playing them after 120 minutes and penalties with, their, with them having had a week off, uh, which would make things an awful lot more difficult. 
so as it is, it's good that they played in midweek. We won't have Eduardo. Uh, he picked up a groin strain. He won't be out for too long, according to Arsene Wenger, but he will miss the Blackburn game, uh, which is a bit unfortunate, but there you go. That's what happens after um, after you come back from those injuries. You get little niggles here and there. Uh, but we have got Arshavin. He can play. We've got Theo Walcott, who can come into the team. Uh, I suppose someone like uh, Alex Song will start, and, and uh, we don't know yet about Adibayor. He could be back. Uh, possibly not uh, normally we got the team news on a Thursday evening but because we were away in Rome on Wednesday uh, that's all been pushed back so we probably won't know till uh, some stage later today whether or not Eddie Bayor will play uh, of course well, the importance of the game goes without saying we need the three points if we get three points we go above Aston Villa into fourth place for the first time in I don't know how long weeks and weeks and months probably and they've got a game against Spurs I think on Sunday they're playing. Uh, so uh, the importance of the three points uh, goes without saying. And uh, not only that, we're playing against a team managed by Sam Allardyce. And not only that, we're playing against a team that we've got a bit of history with anyway. And not only that, we're playing against a team that's got El Hajj Juf. So it's like cunt on top of cunt, multiplied by cunt, uh, put into the fucking Hadron Collider, with a big dose of uh, cocktail-shaking cunt on top. That's what we're playing. So, uh, yeah, here's the three points uh, against Blackburn tomorrow. I fucking, I, I just do not like Blackburn. There's just something not right about them. And they've annoyed me in the past. Many times. And Sam Allardyce, well, anyway, uh, after Blackburn then, we've got a game on Tuesday. Uh, on St. Patrick's Night, of all nights. Where the hell am I going to get to see that? Because all the pubs will be full of people, um, you know, here in Ireland. We, we we celebrate somewhat on St. Patrick's Day. We might go out and drink a couple of uh, halves of shandy. And we'll sit around and tell uh, stories about how a baby wasn't christened. And then the fairies took away the baby. And then, uh, I don't know, a, a leprechaun came along. And, you know, it's, it's quite abstemious, generally. You know, after two or three shandies, we'll, we'll wander home and, uh, you know, just have some bacon and cabbage and potatoes and, and have an early night. So that's why uh, I probably won't get to see it. Uh, we've got Hull, of course, in the uh, FA Cup sixth round. A game, should we win, uh, which will see us through to the semifinals in which we'll play Chelsea. And who knows, the vagaries of the Champions League draw. It, wouldn't it just be typical that you get drawn against Chelsea in the Champions League as well. I hope not. I hope not. I want Barcelona this time. I want a few days away in Barcelona. That'd be awesome. I mean, footballistically, I suppose Porto would probably be the best draw. Uh, Villarreal are a decent enough side, I think. So Porto might be the best, and we've uh, we've done all right against them in, in recent times as well. So that might be good. But in terms of an experience and all that, it, it could be uh, Barcelona. That would be... That would be the best one. Anyway, uh, FA Cup, uh, sixth round, uh, not to be underestimated. You wonder quite how seriously Hull are going to take it, given the fact that uh, they're not scoring points in the league at all. They were on the verge, I think, of a, a win last week and didn't get it. And uh, they're desperate for survival, more than FA Cup success. So you just wonder how 
Uh, seriously, they're going to take it. What sort of a team he's going to put out? So, uh, fingers crossed, we can take advantage of that. And the tired legs aren't too bad. Uh, next weekend, we've got Newcastle, and we'll discuss that uh, on next week's Icecast. So, really, that's about the size of it. Um, thank you for listening. Um, have yourselves a very good weekend. Here's to stuffing the shit out of those Blackburn cunts tomorrow, uh, and a good win against Hull on Tuesday night. Have yourselves a fine weekend. Uh, if you're Irish, half Irish, you know someone who's Irish, have a very, very good St. Patrick's Day. And I'll talk to you again on next week's Icecast. Until then, take it easy. Bye bye. So, uh, we've got a new member in the group tonight. Obviously, you all realise how difficult it is to get started in a group like this. So, I hope you'll all give a very warm welcome to Lou. Um, welcome, Lou. Uh, 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 hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Lou. Thank you. Um... Obviously, this is very difficult to say, um, but I am. Oh, it's so hard. I am. A, I'm a shocking little cunt. That's a very good start to the meeting, Lou, and that's why everybody is here. We are all shocking little cunts. Does anybody want to help, Lou? How about you, Richard Keys? Would you like to say something? Look, I realise you're a bit shy, a bit self-conscious about those hairy hands, but I thought we'd got beyond all that now. You're an experienced member of this group, having been a little cunt for quite some years. You don't want to say anything. Anybody else? Yeah, oh, well... Very good, very good. David Bentley, maybe you could introduce yourself, tell Lou a bit about why you're such... A shocking little cunt. Well, I don't think there's just one reason why I'm a shocking little cunt, uh, besides being born. The thing is, right, is that I'm just fucking mustard at being a little cunt. I'm fucking mustard at it. And if you put into account all my, my hair, and the fact that I think I should be playing for England, and the fact that I think I'm better than I actually am, and my big pointy face, have you thought about that? Because that would make me a shocking little cunt. My face, it's so pointy. My chin, you could stick a broom handle up my ass and then use me as a pick. That's why I'm a shocking little cunt. But don't forget, a mustard shocking little cunt, right? Thank you very much, David. I'm sure that's made things much more comfortable for Lou, having become a shocking little cunt. Lou, I do have any questions. Uh, um, yeah, I do. I kind of have one question, if that's all right. I'm not, uh, if this is a group of all the shocking little cunts, where's Ashley Cole? I'm afraid we had to ban him to maintain the integrity of the group. 
How could we all be shocking little cunts with him around? He'd make us all look like not shocking little cunts, because he is such a shocking little cunt. I hope that explains everything. There's tea and biscuits over there for anybody who wants them. We'll take a short break. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 